Well, we are in week three of a series that we started called Word of the Wise, Unpacking the Proverbs. I think I got that right. Word, from the, word for the Wise, <laughs> Unpacking the Proverbs. Yeah, that's it. And so I don't know how many of you like to read the Proverbs. I love it. By the way, there are 31 chapters of the book of Proverbs. Some of you know that. And so what a lot of people do is like, I'll just read a chapter of Proverbs a day because most months have 30 one days in that month, and that's a great thing to do. But what you've probably discovered very quickly is a chapter of Proverbs might have like 20 nuggets of truth in it, right? Because some of them are kind of just standalone words of wisdom, and that's one of the things I love about them. One of the things I do, and I've done for many years, is I have this kind of read through the Bible in the year program that I do, and there's always a couple Proverbs that I read every day. And it has just been incredible because as you know, as you read God's word, often there are some very specific, timely, customized for you that day truth that God wants to give you. And the Proverbs just seem to be that so much for me and maybe for many of us. One of the things we said a couple weeks ago and and last week, and we'll probably say it almost every week that we continue through the Proverbs, is the Proverbs are not promises, In fact, I came across a really good definition of what the Proverbs, they are God's word, they are truth, they are without error. I want you to hear me say that. But listen to this definition, I thought it was so good. Proverbs entail probable outcomes, not guaranteed outcomes. Or said another way, Proverbs are not promises, Proverbs are the way life generally goes. They're general principles for life. I think that's good. I think that's true because some things, I, I know uh, one, one that often people will quote is train up a, a child in a way he or she should go and when they are old, they will not depart from it. So that's a guarantee if a, if a kid is raised in a Christian home, he'll love Jesus his whole life, right? Well, no, that's a general principle of life. And there are so many proverbs that just are packed with wisdom And yet, I just want us to remember that that's not true. But I'll tell you what, the proverb we're going to look at today is awesome. It's incredible. I'm so grateful when when Kondo and and me and Kyle and some others kind of thought through what we wanted to do for the summer, we thought proverbs would be great. And then we got to pick the ones we wanted to do. So that's really fun because the proverb we're going to look at is kind of embedded in a context You might want to be turning to Proverbs chapter 4 from verses 20 to 27. But the specific proverb that we're going to really look at very in depth today is verse 23. Okay. Now, one other thing I wanted to say about Proverbs is even though Proverbs aren't promises, often Proverbs are commands. They're commands to be obeyed. And that's very true in the Proverbs, the specific one we're going to be diving into this morning. So if you have your Bible, these verses will also be up on the screen. But if you have your Bible with you, if you want to join me in Proverbs chapter 4, that would be wonderful. And I'm going to start reading in verse 20. By the way, Solomon is credited for writing Proverbs chapter 4. So we're going to think of him as the author here. Proverbs 4.20 says, My son, pay attention to what I say. Turn your ear to my words. 
Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to one's whole body. Now, these are words of urgency. They are. Essentially, what Solomon is saying here is, what I'm going to share with you, and that's verse 23, I believe, what I'm going to share with you is of immense importance. It is incredibly important. In fact, how many of you have ever ever had somebody say, come here, and they put their hands on your cheeks like this, and they get about this close to your face? You starting to feel uncomfortable yet? I am. They get about this close to your face, and they say, look at me. Eyeball to eyeball. Look at me. I want you to listen to me. I want your undivided attention. And some of you parents are saying, I did that with my three-year-old today. Yeah, I I totally get that. I understand doing that. And it's like, uh, this person is making it very obvious that what they're going to say is of supreme importance to you, and they want you to get it. That, to me, is verses 20 to 22. And then the first phrase in verse 23 just emphasize that as well. Basically, Solomon is, is saying, this is incredibly important what I'm going to say to you. Let's look at verse 23. Above all else, guard your heart. For everything you do flows from it. Wow. Above all else in life, guard your heart. For everything you do flows from your heart. That's what he's saying. Now, I did a little study of that phrase, above all else. Because I was very curious if it appears anywhere in those exact words in all of scripture. So you want to know how many times I found it other than here? Zero. It's a true above all else. (laughs) It's a true, nothing is more important. It really is true that this is the priority for the follower of God, the follower of Jesus Christ. Above all else. Wow, I started thinking about that as the supreme of the supreme, the priority of, the pri- of your priorities. Number one, this is it. Now, there's not really anything else you can say about what's number one. And that's what Solomon is saying so clearly here, probably with great fervency, above all else. And then he tells us what it is. Guard your heart. Now, let me tell you what he's not saying. He's not talking about your physical heart that pumps in your chest that circulates blood through your body. It's a good good idea to take care of that heart. Okay, good thing, really good thing. That's not what he's talking about. I want to give you a a good definition. I saw a number of good definitions, but I want to give you a really good definition, I thought, of in the Bible, which talks about your heart many times, both New and Old Testament. Here's a really good definition. The heart is the inner core of a person. The thoughts, feelings, desires, will, and choices 
that make the person who he or she is. It is your being. It is your personhood. Your heart is who you are. That's what this definition is saying. By the way, gotquestions.org, I've promoted this before, over 100,000 Bible answers on that free website. Just saying, use it. I use it all the time. So what I wanna do is, as we talk about our hearts, what I wanna do is take us on a little journey this morning before we jump into verse 23 of what the Bible says about our hearts, our spiritual heart, our personhood, our being. And I'm gonna give you a small, small, small sampling, but I wanna point out three, I guess there's three of them that I think are just incredibly key. Because when we read above all else, (laughs) this is beyond important. Guard your heart, guard your heart. What's my heart? I'm gonna talk about that for a bit. How do I guard it? That'll be the second part that I'll share with you. So here's, here's number one. We all start with a sinful heart. Ah, that's good news, Jeff. That's true. We all start with a sinful heart. We do. It flows out of our sin nature, which all of us have. Let me give you a couple of passages that talk about the heart, this heart that we have inherited from Adam. These are the words of Jesus. Mark chapter seven, verses 20 to 22. He, referring to Jesus, went on. What comes out of a person is what defiles them. For it is from within, out of a person's heart, that evil thoughts come. Sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. That's in our hearts. Now, I'll be the first when I see a precious little baby, and there are some here, to just gush and say, oh, she's such a little angel, isn't she? You know, we look at little children, and they are created in God's image. That's a good thing. But babies are sinners. And some of you said, oh, you don't have to tell me that. You know, isn't it amazing that the the volume that can come out of a four-month-old? I mean, it's pretty mind-blowing, you know, when they're not happy, when they're hungry, when they want you to drop everything for them. Um, We've inherited this sinful heart. We all have it. Jesus talks about it here. And so, you know, it's so interesting to me, you know, you watch, you watch movies and kind of the, the philosophy of the world is that everybody has, everybody's basically good except for the really, really, really horrible bad guys. Everybody's basically good. The Bible doesn't teach that. The Bible teaches that we have inherited sin. We're, we have a sin nature. We are deeply flawed at our very core in our heart. We are. In fact, listen to Jeremiah 17, 9. Jeremiah writes, writes, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? Who can understand it? And we all know this because of what surfaces in our minds, things that come out of our mouths, things that we do that we know better, and yet we still struggle 
because we're all born with this sinful heart. So that's number one. But let me get to the better news. Because through faith in Jesus Christ, we can have a redeemed heart. This is so beautiful, a redeemed heart. And only God, through personal faith in Jesus Christ, can create in us a redeemed heart. Listen to this verse. This verse is so amazing. I love it. Romans 5 verse 5 says this. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. We can't love like Jesus loves or like Jesus wants us to love without a redeemed heart. Amen? We need Jesus to change us. You know, I was thinking about this, how we've all said this. I have certainly said this. I see people who do not profess to know Christ at all demonstrate acts of kindness and self-sacrifice and what we would even call love. And yet there's something greater than that in the heart and life of the believer. Did you see what it says? God has poured out his love into our hearts. My friends, that should be one of our greatest distinctions and distinctiveness of being followers of Jesus Christ. We love at a different level. We love because we have the Holy Spirit in us and we have the power of the Spirit to generate a kind of love that the world cannot experience or know. And so even me saying that and even me knowing that because scripture teaches that is incredibly convicting. Is it to you? Because I don't live there as much as I should. But it says here that the very love of God through the Holy Spirit has been poured out into our hearts. That's why the greatest way to glorify Christ and be like Jesus is to love like Jesus. And that is to flow from our hearts. But I'll tell you that that will, not, that will only flow from our hearts when we, after we have this redeemed heart when we guard it when we guard it with our lives. Okay, so a redeemed heart. It's beautiful. Let me give you my third. And it's what I refer to as we need to live with a prioritized heart. A prioritized heart. What do I mean by that? Well, for me, when I, when I read Matthew 6, 21, that's what I think about. These are the words of Jesus Tail end of the Sermon on the Mount. Here's what Jesus said. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Many of you know that verse. Where your treasure is, and treasure is not just talking about your money or your finances or your material possessions. Where your treasure is, your heart will follow it. Your treasure is what you value. Your treasure is what you are passionate about. Your treasure is where you set your highest affections and love. That's what your treasure is. And he's saying that your heart will always follow your treasure. What's your treasure? You say, well, uh, uh, Jesus, I think that's the right answer, right? It's Jesus. Yes, that is the right answer, by the way. 
but is that true? I don't know that there's a specific litmus test for what your treasure is. I just say, what do you get most excited about? What do you pursue? What in a given day, week, or month is this is what I will do, I must do, nothing's going to stand in my way because this is what matters most to me. That's your treasure. And I will tell you, my friends, if your ultimate treasure is anything but Jesus Christ, then there's an element of idolatry in that. I believe that. I think scripture teaches that. Because he must be our ultimate treasure, knowing him, loving him, pursuing, knowing Jesus is to be our treasure. What's so interesting and can be very self-deceptive to me, maybe to you as well, is I can put really good things as my treasure. Oh, my family is my treasure, you know, or being able to have a good career so that I, we can generously give to Christian ministries. That's my treasure. And we can do all kinds of things to justify using things that matter, things that are important. They're not wrong or sinful necessarily, but they are not to be our ultimate treasure because your heart follows your treasure. Your passion, your attention follows your treasure. So my statement is choose your treasure wisely. Indiana Jones, (laughs) choose wisely. Choose your treasure wisely. Because your heart follows it. Really, really pray that you'll ponder that a lot this week. And then that last phrase in verse 23, for everything you do flows from your heart. Everything you do flows from your heart. Your heart is the source of everything that comes out of your life. Now, let me tell you something that um, an enormous danger that you and I have. We can learn to create a, a facade, a mask, an image of who we are to others that doesn't reflect our hearts. God's word calls it hypocrisy. Some can become masters and all of us do this is what I want you to see when you see me. What I want you to see is not truly a reflection of my heart. And you don't have to be an Oscar winning actor or a pathological liar (laughs) to be able to convince people you are who you aren't in your heart. But you know what God's word says? We reap what we sow. Doesn't it say that? It does. In other words, what is in there will eventually come out. What is seen in the darkness will be exposed in the light. Or as as some have said, you know, your sin will find you out. 
And boy, is that true. You can, you can harbor, my brothers and sisters, we can harbor secret sin in our lives maybe for decades. But your sin will find you out and your sin will be exposed in some way. Why? Because what's in your heart always eventually comes out. That's what I believe this is saying. Everything flows out of your heart. Now, if me saying that is scary to you, good. It's really scary to me. You know what that's supposed to do? That's supposed to be an incredible deterrent to me harboring hidden secret sin in my life, knowing that it's going to be exposed. That's a healthy fear. That's a really healthy fear. And that's one of the reasons why you and I need to be incredibly quick, almost immediate when we sin to bring it to the Lord and confess it. When we, fin- if, when we sin against other people, to sit down and deal with it and confess it. Why? Because unconfessed secret sin in your life is the opposite of guarding your heart. It's poisoning your heart. It's poisoning the source of your life. That's what I see in this passage. Everything flows from it. Do you pray this? This is a good thing. Let me tell you a good thing to pray. The Holy Spirit lives in you if you are a child of God through faith in Jesus Christ. He does. God has also created us with a, a conscience. Because even people without Christ, I know even before I was a Christian, I had a conscience. But it wasn't until I gave my life to Jesus, a Holy Spirit sensitized conscience. In other words, things that didn't make me feel bad before as a Christian now make me feel real bad as a Christian, right? You with me? It's supposed to work that way. Not that you live with horrible guilt constantly, but you're sensitive to your sin. You're sensitive to your disobedience to God. There's a sensitivity there that is so healthy. Pray that. Holy Spirit, make my conscience sensitive to sin. My daughters remind me that I prayed that for them since they were little girls. And I did. That is something I prayed for, that they would be very sensitive to want to do what is right and honoring to God in their lives. So moms and dads, that's a great thing to pray for your child's heart, a sensitivity. Obviously, to also know they are deeply and profoundly loved. That's super important too. But my point, my friends, is we can be masters at secret sin. We can think nobody knows, and maybe no human knows, but guess who does? The one who knows everything. He knows. Okay, now, I want to go into what I think is a very relevant, practical application to this command And so I'm going to pick up in verse 24, and we're going to go through 27. And then I'm going to point out four very clear commands of how, in a very practical way, you and I can guard our hearts. Okay? Look at verse 24 with me. Keep your mouth free of perversity. Keep corrupt talk far from your lips. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Give careful thought to the paths for your feet and be steadfast in all of your ways. Do not turn to the right or to the left. 
Keep your foot from evil. These are commands. So let me give you four. I'm going to make them really short and condensed. Number one, what we say matters. What we say matters. Verse 24, keep your mouth from perversity. Keep corrupt talk from your lips. Our words matter. And that's all throughout scripture, isn't it? I mean, some of you know James 3. No one can tame the tongue. (laughs) True. But let me tell you, I think we have a tendency to think, oh, I need to be careful with my words so I don't hurt others. True. That is true. But what I believe this passage is saying is your words, my sinful words, do damage to my, my own heart. Let me give you a couple examples. I believe that gossiping about other people can reinforce bitterness in our hearts. Because I'm replaying and readdressing over and over how terrible you are or what you have done or what it might be. Slandering others can reinforce pride or hatred in our hearts. Spewing words of anger or rage about people that you can't stand or groups of people that you despise reinforce hatred in your heart. And we can feel justified and even better because I hear people say this. Well, I just really need to to vent. I just needed to kind of spew it all out. Ah, man, that was so cathartic. I feel so much better. You know what? You've just poisoned your heart again when you do that. I believe that this is saying very clearly that my words affect my heart. I want you to think about that. Because I think it's really, really true. Because there's a sense in which it just kind of reinforces those things in your heart. What we say matters. Number two, what we see or look at, what we see matters. Verse 25, let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. What we see matters. I can't, I can't, uh, I wanted to tell you that I couldn't help when I thought of this verse of that beautiful classic children's song, Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Be careful, little eyes, what you see. So my question, my friends, is what do you expose your eyes to that you shouldn't be exposing your eyes to? What do you fixate your eyes on that you shouldn't be fixating your eyes on? Because it does heart damage when you and I do that. One of the keys to guarding our hearts is what we look at. Here's what I found about myself. It's almost like our minds are like cameras and I have fixated my eyes, especially before I was a Christian and was a teenage boy, (laughs) came to Christ right before I turned 19 years old, on images that lingered for decades in my mind. That's the thing about our eyes and our brains. We can fixate our eyes, and for some people, they see horrendous acts of violence, and that's why there is trauma. That's one of the reasons. There's other reasons as well. What we see, what we look at matters when it comes to guarding your heart. That's the point. Let me keep going. 
what we think matters. Our thoughts, what we think matters. Look at verse 26. Give careful thought to the paths of your feet and be steadfast in all of your ways. Give careful thought to the paths of your feet. That might just be seen as you live life, as you make decisions. And we all know that some of the most heinous sins, some of the most destructive life-altering choices people have made is because they made it in a moment foolishly without thinking. Learn to pause. I got something better than the old take a deep breath and count to 10. How about just start talking to Jesus? Let's go there. That's what I try to do. When I am just feeling angry or I want to retaliate or I want to do something without being thoughtful about it, start talking to Jesus. Take more than 10 seconds to start talking to Jesus about it. Boy, if that can be my go-to when I feel like doing something foolish or saying something ridiculously hurtful to somebody, I'm guarding my heart. (laughs) I'm guarding my heart. And God says that's incredibly important to guard my heart. Make Philippians 4, 8 your go-to, your go-to passage. Paul writes, finally, brethren, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think. One version says, dwell on these things. It's so obvious that where our mind dwells, what we meditate on, what we reflect on is profound when it comes to the condition of our hearts. It's profound. What does your mind dwell on? And then number four, where we go matters. Where we go matters. Verse 27, do not turn to the right or to the left. Keep your foot from evil. Going to places that make you vulnerable to sin is not wise. Going to places where you think, oh, I know I can handle this, and you can't, is not wise. Can you think of places, I wonder, maybe you can. Can you think of places where it's really, really important you avoid those places? Because you know if you are there, the temptation is intense, or you know that you'll give in. You see, you guard your heart, you guard your heart by being very thoughtful about where you go. Where you go matters. That's his point to us. So guard, summarizing, guard what you say, guard what you see, guard what you think, guard where you go. Those are great, helpful steps for me. I'll say it again. Guard what you say, guard what you see, guard what you think, guard where you go. And in doing so, you are protecting and guarding your redeemed heart as a follower of Jesus Christ. So let me wrap up by just saying this. Um, 
passages like this, messages like this, can make us just feel pretty defeated and guilty because every single one of us, every single one of us have not successfully, consistently guarded our hearts as we should. None of us have consistently made Jesus our greatest treasure. I know that. I sure haven't. But as I think about guarding my heart, as I think about how the Lord has spoken to me again through this, through this passage, I was reminded to make sure I share with you that Jesus forgives. <laughs> I always want, it's so much my heart when I share God's word and it's a passage that's hard and convicting and challenging that we leave with hope, that we would leave with some level of encouragement Jesus forgives. Jesus knows that even though we have redeemed hearts, we still struggle deeply. But I think he honors our desire and our hearts. I think he desires our intentions and our motives when we say, I want to do so much better, Lord, in guarding my heart. I want to be much more careful about what I expose my eyes to and what comes out of my mouth and where I go. Lord, I just want to be better at that. Help me, help me, please. And maybe for some of us, best thing we can do is tell a person, a loved one, a dear, dear, dear friend, can you make me kind of accountable? Like, I need to quit going there. I need to quit watching that. I need to quit, fill in the blank, because it's damaging my heart. It's poisoning my heart. And maybe that's where you are today. God bless you if you're ready to confess that to the Lord. He loves when we do that. He does. I love the verse in 1 John 1.9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. That's what he does. My friends, Christ's forgiveness is not the blank check of, I'll always forgive you, so do whatever you want. That's not the intent of forgiveness. The intent is, Lord, I want to pursue you with my whole heart. I want to walk in obedience to you. I want to pursue righteousness and holiness every day in my life. I want to guard my heart so that my, God, my heart is pure before you. But Lord, when I blow it, I'm going to come to you. And I know, I know you forgive. Because that's who you are, Lord Jesus. That's who you are. I, um, oh man, I bet it was almost 40 years ago. It's been a long, long time ago that I heard a speaker say something. It was at a Bible conference. He shared something that is so stuck with me and has been profound in my own walk with Christ. And here's what he said. He said, fellow believer, the most important thing in your life is what no one else sees but Jesus. And to me, that's guard your heart. No secret sin. 
guard your heart. The most important thing in my life is what no one else sees, but Jesus does. He does. And because I am first and foremost not only accountable to him, but I so much want to honor him with my life, and I want to have a pure heart before him. I believe he delights <laughs> when we walk in obedience to garden our hearts. May that be true for each one of us. Let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, this is such a challenge. I am so grateful that we <clears throat> have a redeemed heart. I am so grateful that your whole Holy Spirit has poured out the love of Christ into our hearts. Lord, that's a, that's a resource, that's a blessing, that's our standing before you. And yet, Lord, we continue to struggle. We continue to have false idols, false treasures in our lives. Father, we continue to choose sin over righteousness. And at times we hide that sin and keep it secret as it festers and poisons our hearts. Forgive us, forgive us. Help us this morning to even come clean if that's what we need. We love you, Lord Jesus. Thank you that we don't have to live the Christian life on our own. We would be so miserably failing constantly, and yet you've given us your spirit, you've given us your word, you've given us your son, and you have given us one another, your body, your bride. What a beautiful thing that is. So, Father, I pray for each and every person here that we would take to heart that your priority for us is to guard our hearts, guard our spiritual lives, guard our minds, our eyes, our mouths, even where we go. That the very source of our being, our hearts, would be pure and godly and righteous. And that you would be glorified through us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.